you're able to stand with me this morning, why don't you stand? Let's pray this morning. Come on. Thank you, Lord. If you're watching on the interwebs, however you're joining us, why don't you join us in prayer? Thank you, Lord. Just stretch out your hands. If you're watching us online, just stretch out your hand. Grab hold of your device. Those of you in this room, just stretch. Let's agree right now. Touching anything in heaven. If we agree right now, I want us to agree that God would come. His glory will come and change this region. What is my prayer? What is our heart? What's the heartbeat of our church? Lord, that you would touch, that you would touch the Northeast Ohio. Lord, let your glory, let revival come. Lord, let awakening come. Father, we agree right now in the name of Jesus. We, we, we agree. We touch together. We come together in agreement saying, Lord, let revival come. Lord, let, let glory, let heaven glory. Lord, let it come. Let it come over this region. Let it come over Northeast Ohio. Lord, we thank you that the back of the enemy is broken. Lord, that the strongholds of addiction is broken in Jesus' name. That human trafficking is broken in Jesus' name. Father, that the light of your glory is cast. Lord, it is shining. It's brightly shining on this region, Lord. Let salvation come. Let salvation come to the homes. Lord, let salvation come to the homes represented in this house. Let salvation come, Lord, those wayward sons and daughters. We call them back in the name of Jesus. We call them in that the truth of the word that's been planted in their heart, bring them back, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen. You can be seated this morning. Hallelujah. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen, amen. How many of you have your Bibles? Let me see your Bibles. Break out your Bibles. You can go to Mark chapter 4 or your device, whatever you're using this morning. Two weeks ago, I, I can't speak for uh, everything that my wife preached, although I heard it was phenomenal. And uh, I just want to thank you for uh, your patience as I, as I go out at times to minister in uh, various ways this past trip, I was able to bring some of the coaching skill to some pastors in uh, in the Florida area. And by the way, and, and they weren't all from Florida, but they mostly. And uh, I just want to tell you, you know, you say coaching, isn't that a mental health thing? How's that ministry? Oh, it's very much ministry. And if there's ever a skill that pastors need to learn, it's coaching. And they can learn that and apply it in their churches and help people in a deeper way. And I got to tell you, out of all of the trainings and things that I've been a part of, this Y'all must have been praying because it was um, uh, an incredible week of uh, just crazy, the divine connections, connections that had been in the making for 60, 70 years. People sitting in that room had no idea who they'd be crossing paths with that week and how it, it was just, if I had the time to tell you the stories that came out um, over the, these pastors, things that they were dealing with, struggling with, and these pastors, most of them pastors' wives, women in ministry, and to watch what God was doing, incredible, incredible. So thank you, thank you, thank you for your prayers. And then if you catch me out and about, I'll, I'll tell you, I've got plenty of stories from the week. It was phenomenal. And um, some of the ladies that, that received training, this is just an addition, some of the ladies that received training do work with human trafficking victims. And so they were taking the skills that they were learning and, and using them and how to apply them with uh, ministering to these girls who have been victims of human trafficking. So incredible stories, man. 
just to see the blessing of the Lord. So thank you for that. But two weeks ago, if you rewind, we started in Mark chapter 4, and we're going to pick back up there today. Jesus was teaching on the parable of the sower, that the sower went out and was sowing seed. And he talked about the good soil does what? It produces fruit and it multiplies. So we want to be believers that receive the seed and, and the seed goes in, germinates in our life, produces fruit, and everybody say multiplies. The seed of God produces fruit in our life and multiplies. When you sowed your seed this morning and tithe and offering, I said it a couple of weeks ago, are you expecting fruitfulness in your seed? Are you expecting that when you sow that seed into the ground, I sow, you know, I sowed tithe this morning and, uh, you know, I, I sowed a, a pretty significant tithe off of our training and everything's going on. I sowed in my tithe, but I believe that every one of that, of those seeds, all of those pennies in that offering is going to produce a harvest, right? I believe that God's going to multiply that and increase it. And sometimes, you know, Pastor Heather said it this morning, we want to get out of well, God, God gave me this much, but I don't know if I want to tithe off of, you know, 100% all the tithe, right? Have you ever had those thoughts? Well, that's a pretty big number, God, that I'm going to tithe. That's a pretty big deal. But he says, bring all the tithe. Remember, you determine the multiplication denomination, right? You determine, is God going to, is he going to bless the all or is he blessing the sum? So I want all the blessing. I want my storehouse overflowing. And if, I, if I'm going to walk in that, that means i got to sow the seeds. And that doesn't, that's, that's not just offering. That's not just finances. It's how we live our life. It's the joy that we sow into others. If you're a grumpy, cranky, come on now, then how are you expecting joy to come back to you? you got to sow some joy. you got to find, even if it's just a mustard seed size of joy in the middle of your heart somewhere, you got to dig deep, dig deep, find it, and sow it, and watch how God will multiply it. But we're going to continue on in, in Mark chapter 4. Jesus continued teaching about the power of the kingdom. And, and I want to capture, there's two verses that are really powerful that I want to capture. But let me say this, if you're taking notes. Life in the kingdom of light... Let me say this again, and the media team will follow me here. Life in the kingdom of light means we are people of the light, and we have to let our light shine. Being in the kingdom of light requires, it means that we are people of the light, and our light has to shine. Not everyone's going to accept the light. Not everyone's going to look at you and embrace the light. They may try to hide or extinguish the light, but the light keeps on shining. People might not like your light. They, don't, they might feel uncomfortable around the light, but your light still shines. And as believers, we must look for ways to continually shine the light of the glory of God. So in Mark chapter 4, if you're with me, and starting in verse 21, it says, He said to them, Is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to the light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Let me read that one more time for you so that everybody's all on the same page. He said... 
to them is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to the light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. I want to just begin with verse 23 as we start, because he says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. He's talking about visual objects. He's talking about light. We see light. We don't hear light. We see light. But he doesn't say to them, if anyone has eyes, let him see. He says, if anyone has ears, let him hear. Why? Because speaking to the ears enlightens the eyes. If you can hear the words of faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing the message concerning Christ. So if you can hear the word of faith today, your eyes can be illuminated to see him. So Jesus talked to them at the very outset. You've got to have ears to hear about Jesus. You've got to have ears to hear about the kingdom if you're ever going to see it. But if you can hear it with your ears, you can see it. Come on now. If you can hear it with your ears, it may not be with the ears of the natural man. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I, I'm talking to you as in maybe a little bit of parable, so you got to open up your spiritual mind today. But if, if you can hear, I'm a little hot, Joe, and I don't know if it's just me or, or what, but, but if, you can, if, if you can hear with the ears of faith, even sometimes we have to look we have to hear with the ears of faith. We can't hear it in the natural. In the natural, all we hear is garbage. All we hear is complaints. All we hear is what we can't do or what won't happen or why it can't happen. But if you can hear with the ears of faith who God says he is in your situation, then you can start to see through the eyes of faith and see what God says about you. If you listen with the eyes of what everybody tells you you can't be, all you'll see is the reality of who you're not. You'll see your lack. You'll see what you can't have. You'll see the bondages and the, and the brokenness that's in front of your way. But if all of a sudden, if like Jesus, he who has ears, let him hear, you can hear what Jesus is saying and see how the kingdom of God is in operation at your life. All of a sudden, instead of looking at the problem, you see the possibility that God's bringing. All of a sudden, you look instead of a seed that you want to hold on to, you see it as a seed that contains the DNA for multiplication if you just release it. I think that's one of the biggest shifts in our mindset. In a carnal mind, in the natural mind, we try to hold on to everything. We want to be hoarders. We want to hold on. It's all about me. But what God is trying to get us to do is to release something so that he can multiply it. Ah, come on now. He wants you to release something so that he can multiply it. If you want to walk in blessing, if you want to walk in prosperity, if you want to walk in the joy of the Lord, the peace of God, he's, He requires a release of what He's already given to you. Sometimes it's just a word of faith. Sometimes it's just saying those things that are not as though they were. It's saying, God said that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You speak the word of God over your home. But when you begin to hear it, you can see it. And if you can see it, you can have it. Come on now, you didn't shout as good as you ought to be right there. You missed an opportunity. If you can hear it by faith. Let me, let me give it, let me break it down. Very, 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 very basic for you here. But, but if I say that I want to walk across this platform, I've got to have something to put my feet on. 
right? I can't just walk outside of a miracle, out of, outside of supernatural. I can't just walk on open air. I have to have something under my feet to cause me, to enable me to walk across towards you, right? So if I say I'm going to walk across this platform, I have, I'm then setting my eyes on what? The path that's in front of me. Where am I headed, right? If you say I'm going to the grocery store, you don't get in your car and drive down the road with your eyes closed. Hello. You're not going to make it <laughs> if you close your eyes and drive down the road to the grocery store. I promise you, you can super spiritualize that all you want, but you're going to end off in a ditch somewhere or hitting somebody because your eyes are closed. But if you say to yourself, I'm going to the grocery store, you get in your car and you pull up your GPS if you don't know where you're going. You figure out how you're going to get there. You open your eyes and you drive to where you're headed. You walk in the grocery store and you pull up your text message from your wife that tells you everything that you need to buy. And then you throw in some of the extra things that you want. You go to the grocery counter, the checkout counter, and you scan all your stuff and you leave with your new purchased items. Why? Because you said, I'm going to the grocery store. You saw what you said, and you could take possession of it. The Bible tells us that without vision, without a supernatural vision or revelation, the people perish. How do you get a vision or revelation of who God is? Through your eyes. Now, I, this is not my sermon. I'm just preaching this morning. <laughs> Haven't even got there yet. So, so you got to see something. Jesus said, if he who has ears, let him hear. If you can hear it, you can see it, and then you can take possession of it. When they were standing at the, at the uh, Jericho, the, they were getting ready to go in, and here the walls of Jericho are standing in front of them. They saw something. They saw some thick walls. They, they saw that this was a chance for a miracle, but God gave them specific instructions on how to march around that wall and what they were going to do. I just want to pause on this and think about this. What were they marching around those walls to see? They might have seen the walls, but what God was saying is, I want you to go around every day because I want you to get good notice of what's getting ready to fall before you. I want you to get a good sight. I want you to see every nook and cranny in that wall. You're going to get a good observation of what's getting ready to come down before you. They saw the opportunity for God. What the enemy saw was the shadows of what was to come. They saw shadows of things to come, but God was giving them a clear picture of the walls that were coming down. So when you can see it, you can take possession of it. Sometimes we see things that our own eye wants to see. Has your, have your eyes ever tricked you before? Have you ever been out going somewhere and you thought you saw something? Maybe you thought you saw somebody and you did a double take and you thought for sure it was them. I've even told people hello and thought they were somebody and they weren't somebody. <laughs> eyes tricked me. But I'm young. <laughs> you ever been there? Or maybe you've been in a dark hallway before and you, and you thought that the hallway was clear. Oh, I've done this a time or two. And, I, and I, out of just pure nudge of the Holy Spirit, pull out my phone and turn on my light right before I run into something. Have you ever done that? 
We need to be able to see clearly the truth without filters. We got to take the filters off and see what God's saying about us. So, so let me go back. Verse 21, he says, Is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Jesus had told his disciples in Matthew chapter 5, You are the light of the world. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 and 16, he said, You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a light, light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it out on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. So Jesus called his disciples the light of the world. In John chapter 8 and verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world. In James chapter 1 and verse 17, the, uh, James describes our heavenly father as the father of lights from whom every good and perfect gift comes from. So he's the father of lights. And it goes on where there is no shadow of turning. There's no variation. There's no shadow of turning. He is always at his zenith. He is always at his peak. He's ever shining. He's ever radiant. And there's never any manipulation in his light. It's pure light. Always shining upon us. So we are called to be lights of the world. Three things I want to take a look at here in Mark chapter 4 about the light. Number one, the purpose of the light is to always shine. You don't bring the, the light and you set it up on a table, as Jesus said, and put a basket over it. You don't throw it under your bed. The light is brought into the center of the house for it to light the home so that everyone may have light. So the purpose of our light is to shine. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, it says, Let your light shine before men that they may what? They may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So we are to let our light shine, and as we do so, they see our Father in heaven. We're not letting our light shine so that we can be seen, but we're allowing our light to shine so that He can be seen. He is the originator of the light. We are lights. He is the bright and morning star. We are but lights. But that light that is on the inside of us, we set it up and let it shine this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. There you go. And 1 Peter 2.9, it says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellences, excellencies of him who what called you out of darkness into his light, his marvelous light. Light, you've been called out of darkness to shine. You've been called out of darkness. And what the darkness could not give you, God gave you in his light. Darkness couldn't give you an identity. Darkness couldn't bring you into fellowship. Darkness couldn't give you a purpose. Darkness couldn't give you righteousness. But he's called you out of darkness. And he's called you a chosen race. He's called you a royal priesthood. He's called you a holy nation. He's called you a people for his own possession. He's given you identity. He's given you purpose. He's given you his righteousness. And he's brought you in to a spiritual community. That's the power of the light. He's brought you in, and you're called to shine. Your light is called to shine. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse 6, it says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, I want, I want you to listen to this verse. There's a really powerful couple of things I want to point out. He says, He has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The light, have got, the light of God, the light of the Father, has shone into our hearts by what? By the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. That word enlightened is to be illuminated, to be lit up. I pray that your heart would be lit up with the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I pray that you would understand that. When's the last time, I want you to think about this, that the object of what we're receiving into our lives is the light of God's glory in the face of Jesus. I want you to think about the, for a moment with me, when you look at something, how do you know that something is present in your environment? The light has to hit it. The light has shining on it and it's present so that you can see it. You're aware of it. You're observing it. And depending how light hits an object, you see its dimensions. If a light hits an object direct, anybody in video or photography can talk to you a little bit more about this, but when a light hits an object straight on, it doesn't look 3D. It, it looks just one-dimensional. It looks flat. Maybe you've seen photos like that where it just looks very flat. But when the light is projected at different angles, it then begins to look 3D. The object then is able to be focused on, observed, and seen in its depth. Think about this for a moment and how we view Christ. The eyes of our heart must be illuminated as we look into the face of Jesus. If we look at him one-dimensionally, you can, you can look at Jesus one-dimensionally. You can look at him through your filter of, of one-dimensional view. How can Jesus bless me? You know, that's a one-dimensional view. I read the Bible for what I get out of it for me. Right? That's a one-dimensional view. Is it there? Absolutely. Will Jesus bless you? Absolutely. But is that the depth? Is that the 3D view of who, of who Jesus is? Yes. Is there a one-dimensional view? Did he come to save me? Absolutely. But that's a one-dimensional view. But if you allow the light of God's word and who he is to begin to take you deeper, come on somebody, and you begin to have a 3D perspective of who Jesus is, you see his depth. You see his divine diversity. You see him as the lion and the lamb. You see him as the mighty conquering king and the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. If you can just get into the depth of who he is. Come on, somebody. We're talking about looking at the glory of God in the face of Jesus. You can look at him 1D or you can see him 3D. You can go deeper in the word. Come on now. So when you look at Jesus, 
The Bible says that he is the radiance of the Father. He's the, let me give you another word. He's the effulgence of the Father. He's the outshining. He's the brightness. He's the glory. He's the radiance of the Father. And so when we look at Jesus, we see the outshining. We see the radiance, the beauty, the splendor, the glory of the Father. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, it says, We are all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord and are being transformed. Everybody say transformed. We're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. We're being changed. We're being transformed from one degree of glory to another. Why? When we look at him. When we, see, when we see the Father, when we see Jesus and the glory of God and the face of Jesus, it changes, it transforms us. Remember Moses? This verse is connected to Moses. 2 Corinthians 3.18. When Moses was up on the mountain and he was receiving the law from the Father, from God, he was writing out the law. And the Bible says that Moses came down. And when he came off the mountain... His face was shining. The Bible says his skin was radiant. And so they couldn't even look at him. And they told Moses, you got to put a veil over your face because you're so bright. You're radiating. Is it possible that you and I could dwell so long in the light of his glory that we start radiating something? Well, I promise you, you are. I promise you, you're radiating something today. You're radiating something. You're radiating hope. You're radiating joy. When people get next to you, there's an energy that comes off of you. It's called the anointing of God or the depression of the devil. But there's something coming off of you. So we look with an unveiled face. We don't have to be like Moses putting a veil over our eyes, but we can behold him in the fullness of his glory and his beauty. You've been called out of darkness into the light of God. You've been called to live a life that illuminates, that radiates Christ. And you do that through your good works. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that you were created. You and I were created for good works in Christ Jesus. And as we do those, whatever those good works are, Jesus told us a whole bunch of them. But as we go about doing good works, they glorify the Father. The second thing that Jesus teaches us here in Mark chapter 4 is that the light should not be hidden. Not only... Is it to shine, but it's to not be hidden. Isaiah 60 says, arise and shine. It's a command. Arise and shine. Tell somebody next to you. Say, arise and shine. You are to rise up, to shine, to radiate. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you in a place of darkness. It says, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the people. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. The glory of the Lord is on your life. The radiance of the Father is upon you because of the Holy Ghost and the work of Christ in your life. You have the radiance of God. Arise and shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is upon you for the darkness in the world that's around you. 
Whatever the darkness is in your life, whatever the darkness, hopelessness that you find yourself in in the middle of life, whether it's your co-workers, your family, wherever you're at, the glory of the Lord is upon you and radiates in the middle of that darkness. The Bible says that the people who sat in darkness saw a great light. Jesus Christ, the bright and morning star, has risen. The Bible says with healing in his beams, the radiance of God has risen upon your life. Arise and shine, for your light has come. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 6, it says, If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not we, do, we don't practice the truth. If we say we walk in the light, but we practice darkness, we're lying. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That word walk in the, in the Greek is the word to regulate or conduct yourself according to something. In other words, we are to regulate our lives by the light. Now, I want, I want you to think about this in the natural. Sunlight regulates our natural body's systems. When you don't have sunlight for a period of time or when you, you know, it regulates how you sleep, the, our hormonal responses in our body and our internal clock is regulated. I can tell you all about this uh, going on the other side of the world, passing through many time zones to get to China. You end up in China, you don't know where you're at, whether the sun's going up or going down. It doesn't matter if you see the sun up or not. Your body's telling you the sun should be down when the sun is up. And so you have to, there's a trick. If you ever get jet lag, if you ever do this, uh, the trick is you got to get out in the sun. So when the sun is up, whenever you arrive, you better be out in the sun. Whether you are exhausted or not, drink as much water as you can and be out in the sun. And what happens to your internal clock? It regulates according to the sun. The same is true in our spiritual life, that if we live in the light, our life gets regulated by the sun. Right? You just got to get in the light. You got to live in the light. Walk. The Bible says here in 1 John, walk in the light. Regulate your life by the light. That same Greek word that's describing walk here that I've just described you can also find it in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. It says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What do you do? You regulate your life by the Spirit of God. So here we have, again, the, the, the Bible's trying to tell us something. The Bible's trying to tell us about how we live our life. Are we going to live a spiritual life? Or are we going to live a carnal life? If you want to live a life in the Spirit, you have to regulate your life by being in the light. I think some of you are getting it, others of you still quite aren't sure. So let me, let me, just, keep, let me just keep at this a moment because I want you, this is really simple. This is really simple. If you are works-oriented this morning and you think it's all about you and you checking your checkboxes to get it right, you've just heard a checklist of how you got to, I got to be perfect by living. But to those of you who have been liberated by the Spirit of God, just got set free. Because what you just heard or what you should hear is that the Spirit of God, when we regulate ourselves, when we get in the light... 
All we got to do is get in the light. If you're looking for something to do this morning, get in the light. Just live in the light. And what happens? Everything in your life begins to regulate around being in the light. You don't want to live in the darkness. If you've been in the light, who wants to be in the dark? You know, I, I was just in Florida. Thank God for the sun. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo! That was glorious. Who wants to be in dark Ohio after you've been in the sun in Florida? Everybody on the airplane back to Cleveland was talking about what are we doing? We're going back to, back to Cleveland after we've been in Florida. And about half the people I was riding with, I rode with down. And so we were, we were all joking about our experience, where we'd been, what beach we'd been to, where we had stayed, all the things. And then we're all sitting around scratching our heads saying, where are we going in Ohio? Now, some people going to Toledo and other people going to Youngstown and other, all these different places. Right? Because you've been in the sun. You don't want to be in the dark. Don't want to live in the dark after you've been in the sun. <laughs> Ephesians 5 says the same things. For one time you were in darkness, but now you are in the light. You are, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Again, regulate your life. It's the same Greek word. To regulate your life according to being a child of the light. You're no longer a child of darkness. The way you respond to life and the things that you face are not as a child of darkness. The child of darkness tries to go back to the darkness. But you're now, you have a new identity. You're a child of the light. God's glory is on your life. And thirdly, Jesus tells us here in Mark chapter 4, the light exposes what is hidden. Now, I, I hear the moans and the groans, and, the, and we, think it, we, <clears throat> we think that way. Let me tell you what I, what I hear in that, and I, and I could be wrong, but we all do this. I'll put my assumptions out there for you. You can tell me yours later. But, but my assumptions there are that we got to come into the light, and the light's going to expose some things. But when I live as a child of the light... I don't look at it as what's got to be exposed today. I look at it as, God, how do I get to live in the light a little bit more? How do I get the darkness out just a little bit more and allow a little bit more light in? You see, when it's springtime and it's time to open up the windows, we don't go around the house saying, what, what blind can I close because it's too much light? I, wanna, I don't want light in that room. No, if you're going to open up the blinds, you're saying, let the light in, open up the windows, let the light in, let the fresh air in. And so that's our response was believers, let's live in the light, let's open up the windows, let's open up the blinds and open up our souls to heaven and say, Lord, let the light in. In Ephesians chapter 5, it tells us that, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. That's not a statement of condemnation, it's a statement of awareness. That when things become visible, you can deal with them. It's the things you don't know about that are a problem. 
If you don't know you have cancer and you allow it to eat away at your body, that's a problem. But when you realize that there's cells attacking on the inside of your body, then you can start to do something about it. Amen? So it's when you don't know something that it's a problem. When you keep it in the darkness, that's the problem. When you bring it to the light, it's exposed and health, right? Health can happen. So if you want to live healthy, bring it to the light. In John chapter 3, it says, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light. Those who do wicked don't want to be in the light. It's like the roaches when you turn the light on. Ever seen a room full of roaches when you turn the light on? They go running. They don't want the light. When you turn the light on, your roaches go running. They don't want to, they don't want to see the truth. That's exactly why you need to deal with that stuff. You don't want roaches in your life. <laughs> right? But whoever does what is true, what's it say? They come to the light. So whoever does what is true, notice the lifestyle difference. Notice the lifestyle difference. When you're living in the dark, what can I hide? What can I get away with? What can, I put under the, what can I put under that bed that Jesus was talking about so that nobody will know? But when you're living in the light, it's like, it's okay. The grace of God's on my life. No matter what happens, he's going to walk with me through this. No matter what it looks like, no matter what, what, no matter what spiritual medicine i got to take, no matter what healing's got to come, no matter what things got to get cut out of my life, whatever, come on, Jesus, let's bring it into the light. Let's get it out. Those who are living in the light are not threatened by the light. They want more of it. I have a practice here that anytime there's, a, there's a, a, some sort of a judgment or, or criticism made of me, I always bring it to the light. I don't want it to hide. This is just my practice. And so, so this week, I, I got a, well, it was last week, I got an email from somebody who wasn't happy about something. And they, you know, they always, they just want to send it to me personally, right? I want you to know what I'm not happy about. And they gave me their litur liturgy of all their judgments against me. And you know what my response to that is? I, Lord, if, if there's light in this, then let it be. I'm not afraid of that. Lord, if that's, there's some truth in this, then let's bring it. Let's come on. Let's bring it. Let's change. But I'm going to bring it to the light. So I, I respond and I copy all of our pastors, our board. Here you go. Let's bring it to the light. If you have a problem, let's deal with it. You know what? I didn't hear much back from them. Actually, I don't think I heard anything back from them. As soon as I put it out there into the light, the darkness ran for cover. Why? Because they were issuing judgments that didn't have a hill of beans of sense, and there was no truth in them. It was all lies from the devil. They were believing a bunch of lies. So either, ding. That was God saying, you're spot on. Got it, buddy. Here. <laughs> you ever had those moments where God said, ding, that's it. Ding dong, you got it. <laughs> and I bless them and love them. Thank you, Jesus, for them. But bring it to the light. So just know if you bring a criticism to me that I'm going to bring it to the light. You might not like the light, but I'm going to bring it to the light. <laughs> Expose what is hidden. 
So what do you do when temptations come? When the trials come your way, what do you do? Do you bring it to the light? When, when those things happen, bring it to the light. Do you know there's no sin in temptation? And there's no sin in facing a trial. What you do with them determines whether you're living in light or dark. But there's nothing wrong. The Bible tells us, confess your faults to one another that you might be... Come on now. What's it say? Are you in your Bibles? Confess your faults one to another. Come on, this is James. That you might be healed. Bring it to the light. Confess it. That you might be made whole. When you do that, it's uncomfortable, right? The uncomfortableness in it is, what am I going to look like? People are going to see me for who I am. Yep, sure are. That's why in John, First John, it says that the light, when we do this, when we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. If we're all walking in the light, what do we have to be afraid of when things get to the light? If we're all walking in the light, if you're walking down a dark hall together and the light comes on and y'all almost hit a table sticking out in the middle of the, of the I'm, I'm speaking from experience, you almost hit a table in the middle of the hallway and you turn the light on, everybody in the path of that table says, thank you Jesus for turning the light on. There's not anybody that's going to hit a table in the darkness and say, man, I wish you would have left that light off. <laughs> Why? Because we're in fellowship together based on where we live. So if we're living in the light, we're in fellowship together as children of the light. If we're living in darkness, it's like oil and water. There's a clear separation when people want to live in, in darkness and maintain, you, you've probably seen this, people want to live offended and stay offended. That's like oil and water. It's darkness and light. And you say, how can the two walk together unless they're agreed? Somebody's got to deal with the offense, right? So we're children of the light who regulate our lives by the light. And we let the light expose and bring awareness to whatever is hidden. Hiding only perpetuates the darkness. Hiding, keeping things in the shadows, allows the mold to grow. But when you expose it to the light, you can bring out the Clorox and clean things up. I want to wrap up today with this thought. In Matthew 25, if you want to flip over to Matthew 25, Jesus is teaching us another illustration about the power of light. And I preface what I'm going to read because you've probably not heard it as such. You've probably heard this parable with a different perspective. And so I want to give you a different perspective today, that it's a parable about the light. In Matthew 25, it says the kingdom of heaven. Again, we're talking about kingdom living. So this is a parable about how to live a kingdom life. The kingdom living, kingdom life, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us, I've skipped ahead, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. 
But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. These are about ten virgins. We know the story about the, the wise and the foolish. But the problem with the foolish was this. Their lights wouldn't work. They didn't have the oil. They didn't have what was needed for the light to work. But the problem was that their lights didn't work. They had to figure out how to get their light working. They weren't living as children of the light. You see, you can live in the light or you can use the light. There's a difference between living in the light and using the light. There are biblical principles. They'll work 100% of the time. But when you live in the light, you keep your light working. You can apply the principles of truth, but not regulate your life to the truth. You can use the principles of the light and never regulate your life according to the light. Walking in the Spirit. It's the difference between making resolutions and living a transformation. The wise virgins had a transformed life. And it caused them to have all that they needed for when the bridegroom came. But those who are merely making resolutions aren't prepared for that great day. So I want to encourage you. Your light is to shine. It's to shine bright. Don't hide it. Allow the light to infiltrate every area of your life. Live as a child of the light. Not just merely applying the principles of the light, but live as children of the light. And you'll live a kingdom life. You'll live in the kingdom of light. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have called us to be children of the light. That we don't have to continue on in darkness. We don't have to continue on in the ways of darkness, but we our lives are transformed. We're beholding your brilliance. We're beholding your beauty and being transformed into that image. Lord, I pray this morning that if there are areas, if there are things, there are shadows in our hearts. Lord, this morning, if there are shadows in our lives that are not effectively illuminating or allowing the light of the Holy Spirit to shine, Lord, reveal those areas. Reveal the shadows. Reveal the shifting shadows. Lord, make them plain. And Lord, show us. Show us where our light needs to shine brightly. You've put us. You've placed us in places of darkness, in places where there's deep darkness covering the earth. And your glory is upon us to radiate in those dark places. So, Lord, show us where you have us. Let our light shine brightly. Let the intensity of your light increase in our life. Let the intensity. Turn it up, Lord. Let us be lit up. (laughs) Let us be lit up, Lord. Light us up. Light us up, Lord. May we be lit. (laughs) 
<laughs> May we be lit with the glory of God in the face of Jesus. The blazing center, Lord, the sun, the radiance of the Father. Lord, let us be lit with the glory of the Father. Let us be lit today, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord. Turn up the light, Lord. Turn it up, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. You know, as we worship together, as we close, I want to encourage you, whether you're online or you're in the building, if make the decision today to live as a child of the light. You don't have to continue on in your darkness. You don't have to continue on in your sin or your depravity. You don't have to continue on in carnality. Live as a child of the light. Just say, Jesus, I want to live in the light. I want to live in your light. Make me new this morning. I want to live as a child of the light today. I want to be yours, living as a child of the light. Make me new. You know, as you start your journey with Christ and as a child of the light, the very first thing you need to do, you need to make a public declaration saying, I'm following Christ. I'm going to live as a child of the light. And to do that, you need to get water baptized. You need to make a public declaration, I'm pursuing Christ. You say, I've done that before. Well, if you're making a decision to pursue Christ again, you need to get baptized. Let it, let it be buried. He's making all things new. That's the first step. Second thing, you need to be planted and rooted in the house of God in church around people who will encourage you, build you up in a small group, in the church, in a ministry. Get planted, get rooted around people who are going to build you up and encourage you in your faith. Be in the house of the Lord. Start by getting water baptized. March 7th, next Sunday, I believe. Next Sunday, we have water baptism. If you're interested in get water baptized, you can let the office know, one of our pastors know. Let us know, one of our team. Bring a dark change of clothes and a towel. We've got clothes if you don't bring it. We've got towels if you don't bring it. But get water baptized next week. Maybe you have things you need to bury. Bury them. It's time to bury some stuff. I'm going to live as a child of the light. It's awesome. Hallelujah. Come on, let's worship.